October 17th, 2017. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. James, people might have noticed in their feeds yesterday, there was an extra episode, episode number dose of the Stagecraft with Jan Simpson podcast. She talked with uh, playwright Max Posner, and uh, this was actually a redo. She did it once before, and audio wasn't great, so she did it again, which means that the questions she asked and his answers were twice as good as they would have been the first time around. You know, that extra dose, all for the price of one. Yeah, free. It's free. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, one thing we do want to let people know is that the next two days, we're going to have solo episodes. James, you're going to be taking tomorrow's episode, as tonight I'm going to see the second tour stop post-opening of the On Your Feet National Tour. Oh, and then tomorrow, um, you've got something, and I've got something, and then we can't do it, so I'm going to do Thursday's episode. So we're going to go solo, solo the next two days before we come back together like Captain Planet, our powers combined on Friday. I am going to see Torch Song. Torch Song. That's that's what you're seeing. Yes, Torch Song. Perfect. That should be a lot of fun. I've heard really good things about this production. I have to practice saying Torch Song. (laughs) Uh, And I've actually asked uh, Caitlin, Daniela, and Natalie to come join me on the the daily podcast, but all of them are busy. Oh, well. Well, tomorrow, Caitlin, who normally does our offstage segment on Fridays, She's got a very important interview that she's doing for perhaps a new podcast that'll show up here on this feed at some point in the near future. So that makes Mm. sense for her. Hmm. Mm. All right. First up in the news, last week's Broadway grosses. Yeah, James, following the closing of 1984 a week ago Sunday... Broadway was down one show, so the collective grosses were fairly steady, dropping just over 1% to come in at $29,928,496. With 28 shows on the boards last week, that comes out to nearly $1,069,000 apiece. Obviously, that's strengthened by some big-time shows at the top, but nonetheless, still a healthy average. This is, you know... uh, not to say that one of the biggest shows that uh, did drop, there's a really good reason, but it was still a big drop, likely due to tickets for the reviewing press and invited guests. Springsteen on Broadway dropped $407,290 in its five-show week, but I would bet dollars to donuts that it will be back up where it previously was by this time next week. From what I understand, there were a ton of dignitaries that probably wouldn't debase themselves to actually pay for a theater ticket ever. Um, despite the drop, the boss's total of one hundred of one million nine hundred twenty four thousand eight hundred and eighteen dollars was still good enough for fourth on the list behind Hamilton, which was just under two million nine hundred thirty one thousand. Hello Dolly at two point three seven million, and The Lion King at two point zero eight. Also above one million were Wicked, Dear Evan Hansen, Aladdin, Come From Away, The Book of Mormon, and The Phantom of the Opera. The biggest gainer of the week shouldn't really be a surprise, but if I'm being honest, I was surprised by how much it gained. The band's visit went from one to seven performances last week, and it came in at $768,914. For a small, non-star-driven musical based on a form film that no one's really ever heard of, James, to me, that total is really fantastic. Uh, A lot of times when you see small shows like this that are really, really good, it takes a time for them to build word of mouth. You know, something like Come From Away took a while to get great box office numbers. But I have to say that this is really, really impressive. I would guess that the word of mouth from the off-Broadway run has really been encouraging people to get their tickets early. I know when I'm in New York three weeks from today, 
I will be at the final preview of the show the next night on Wednesday, and I'm very much looking forward to that. Other shows on the boards that did well in their second week of previews were M Butterfly, which did over 521,000 in seven shows, and Junk, which did 530,000 in eight shows. Both straight plays. Not huge totals, but not terrible either. James, if you remember last week, we talked about there being an unusual bump across all of Broadway, especially in family shows. And while 19 of the main stems, 28 shows did see numbers in the red, most of the dips were fairly modest, with 14 of those 19 being less than uh, less than 50K. The play that goes wrong now with its new cast keeps treading water at just under $398,000. And the lowest grossing show of the week was Time in the Conway's. At $294,510. But James, now that the public knows that you, Jenna, and Peter all liked and or loved the show, I can only imagine that those numbers numbers will turn around dramatically <laughs> in the coming weeks. I, you know, I don't think that they're marketing Anna Camp enough. Really? You think uh, because she's the biggest star in the show or because she's the best reason to go? Uh, no, I think that she'd sell some tickets that they're not typical yeah. roundabout seats, you know? Yeah, I would imagine that all of the Downton Abbey crowd uh, that would be interested in this show probably already knows yeah. about it or subscribes. So, exactly. Anna Camp, you're probably right, uh, might draw some people in. Stephen Boyer might even draw in a specific theater crowd, but maybe a different crowd than would come to a show that's, you know, 80 years old getting its first Broadway revival. Yeah. So uh, we'll have to see what happens there. It's all about the marketing. You know, people think that the hardest thing is to get your show on Broadway. It's keeping it on Broadway. Mm -hmm. That's the hard part. Uh, Got to market, market, market. Butts and seats. All right. Uh, next up in the news, ER star to join in Children of a Lesser Guard. Clooney's coming yeah. in? No, not that one. Not Juliana Margulies either. Oh. Um, no. Uh, yes, James, I, I guess one 90s, 2000s TV star wasn't enough for Tony winning director Kenny Leon as he announced that ER's Dr. Green would be joining Dawson Creek's Dawson's Creek's Pacey in Children of a Lesser God this spring. Emmy winner Anthony Edwards will make his Broadway debut in the revival of Mark Medoff's play. Edwards will play Mr. Franklin in the show. And even though this is his Broadway debut, Edwards was seen on the New York stage just two years ago in classic stage companies, a month in the country opposite a few other TV stars. Orange is the New Black's Taylor Schilling and Game of Thrones' Peter Dinklage. Children of a Lesser God will play Studio 54 beginning on March 22nd of next year. You know, not once has anybody mentioned Goose. Top Gun. You're right. That's a good point. I'm I'm ashamed of myself. Uh, I'm I'm ridiculous that they they're not marketing it the these this way. You know, <laughs> goose. It's yeah, goose. I mean, although although goodness gracious, great balls of fire. <laughs> did he die in ER too? Did he have a brain tumor yeah, and die on ER? Like so that. basically, everything he's in, he dies. I mean, oh, uh, spoiler alert! Never, yeah, from a TV show that's not there. But oh, I was going to I was going to sing a little. About chicken, children of Lesson Guard. He doesn't die in that. I don't know. I don't know the show very well at all. But, uh, you know, as long as maybe they could put in a musical number, you know, you never close your eyes. Oh, I hate when she anymore. does that. No? Yeah. Nothing? No, that's good. No? Okay. When right. you kiss my lips. Your lips. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay, moving on. <laughs> all right. Next up in the news, Harry Potter fans get <laughs> the Bruce Springsteen treatment. I, everybody was like, everybody was like, did you get a code? I didn't get a code. I could put it on the wait list. 
Yeah. James, uh, now all of the teens and millennials can feel the same existential anger that all of the middle-aged rock fans, no offense, uh, have felt because yesterday fans of Harry Potter started receiving the sorry you're not cool enough to buy tickets emails from Ticketmaster Verified Fan. In case you forget how that process works is that anybody who wants to buy tickets to Harry Potter and the Cursed Child must have registered through Ticketmaster, I think, as of last week. Then once Ticketmaster has weeded out bots and scalpers, all, quote, verified fans are given an equal opportunity to buy tickets, supposedly. If you didn't get a code in this first batch, you'll be placed on a wait list. And then if people don't claim their access code or can't go on any, you know, they come to it late and all the tickets for the shows that they wanted to go to are sold out, the next people on the wait list will get a code. Those that did receive their access code can begin purchasing purchasing tickets on a first-come, first-served basis starting this Wednesday, October 18th at 11 a.m. New York time. That's tomorrow. Harry Potter and the Cursed Child will begin performances at the Lyric Theater, the big old barn that it is, on April 22nd of next year. Keep the secret. All right. Uh, what the- <laughs> Are they going to give out those bracelets again, like they did in the West End? I think that people are going to. I think there's going to be a market for those bracelets because you could sell them. And that's a good point. Think, people think that you saw the show. It's here, here, here's my question, James. Yeah. As soon as somebody walks out of that first preview, how long do you think it will be until they've spoiled the secret, either on the Twitter, Facebook, or the Broadway World message boards? Oh, I think that it would have happened already. Uh, he's been playing for so long in London. Well, yeah, but let's be honest. Londoners have much more respect uh, for, well, everything than than us uh, social media interaction obsessed Americans. But, you know, I think that lots of uh, people from the U.S. hopped a plane and went to go see it. I mean, Rob did. Yeah, well. My boss isn't going to put it on the Broadway World message boards. <laughs> yeah. Remember the uh, the CEO of Whole Foods? He was like faking. Uh, he was uh, pretending to be just a normal person and posting in defense of Whole Foods on message boards. And maybe Rob's, maybe Rob's got a secret account. Maybe. It's, it's like uh, Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL's wife, had a secret Twitter account with like some alias where she was defending Roger Goodell and going after mm-hmm. reporters who said bad things about him. Not good, folks. Don't do that. Don't read the yeah. comments. Step away from the laptop. Oh, here are the Broadway World's message boards. Dob Ryman's been <laughs> posting there. Okay. All right. What's up in the recommendation section? All right, James. The New York Times yesterday released two very different Stephen Sondheim-related features. The first was a video of select Grey Lady employees singing parts of Broadway Baby from Follies. Probably the most well-known of the group are White House correspondent and Donald Trump's regular trigger Maggie Haberman and op-ed columnist Frank Bruni. But James, honestly, if I were a talent agent, no joke, I would be calling legal assistant Elizabeth Sinat and telling her that I can make her a star because that lady can sing. She didn't get a whole lot, but she was like better than everybody else combined. So watch it. She gets like two little sections in the video. So watch it. She's really good. And if you're a casting director or a producer out there, get her a show at 54 Below. Jen Tepper, get her a show at 54 Below. Well, I was going to say that, uh, you know, after the failing New York Times goes out of business, so she can have a job, you know. Fake news. <laughs> Fake news. All right. What else is happening? Okay. So the other article, which I am sure was the actual impetus for this karaoke video, 
was one written by someone named Lynn manuel Miranda. Huh. And the pair of geniuses, or genii, no, geniuses, talked candidly about their shows, their craft, dealing with success, and more. <laughs> in the, you just, you got that. Um, in the article. No, genius, sir. Genius, sir. Well, no, genius. Genius is it has to be plural. Genius, never mind. Anyway, Len Man says that following Hamilton, people have pitched him musicals based on every imaginable imaginable historical era. And Sondheim replied, "Quote, of course." And so that's the one thing you don't want to do. After Gypsy, I got nothing but backstage stories, and I said the only thing I don't want to write is something to do with show business. That's the only thing. Sondheim also said that when it comes to writing, "quote You shouldn't feel safe." You should feel, I don't know if I can write this. That's what I mean by dangerous. And I think there's a good, and I think that's a good thing to do. Sacrifice something safe. James, this article is essentially a conversation with Miranda and Sondheim and Lynn throwing in a few paragraphs of context here or there. Of course, as a diehard Sondheim or a Sunday in the Park fan, Sondheim too, but specifically Sunday in the Park fan, I love the fact that there was a picture of Sondheim wearing this t-shirt uh that said just order design tension composition balance light and harmony it made me very very happy um this is a really special thing to have on a, a record of james we know that sondheim regularly communicates with young up-and-coming composers all the time but to have this not only on the record but in the paper of record is very very special obviously sondheim won't be around forever so to have him discussing theater with one of Broadway's next great composers was very cool. But to be honest, James, as I was reading it, maybe it's who, the generation of theater fan that I grew up in. Um, I couldn't help the fact that I was a little sad that Jonathan Larson wasn't around to be a part of their discussion. I think that would have been a really cool, you know, multi-generational thing there. But uh, either way, this is truly, truly special. And I'm very glad that The New York Times was able to put this together. Yeah. Oh, man. You just think about the people that we've lost to the Jonathan Larsons, the Michael Levines. Oh, so Dear Evan Hansen's Disco's Dances <laughs> Through New Dear Evan Hansen's Disco Dance Through New York. I got that. Yes, James. Yeah, I have absolutely no idea what this is. This is, I mean, I understand what it is from a technical standpoint mm -hmm. but where this idea came from i have no clue so okay we already know that ben platt will take his final bow in dear van hansen on november 19th then he'll be followed by tv star noah galvin who begins his limited run on november 21st and then sometime mid-january taylor trench will leave hello dolly and take over the role on a full-time basis so these three guys decided to do what you normally do when you are semi-passive-aggressively passing the torch uh, of a Broadway show, they decided to dress up in 70s clothes and dance around Manhattan to Earth, Wind & Fire's Getaway. Yes, that's actually what they did. Uh, the video is directed and edited by Nick Lieberman, and it features choreography by Olivia Puckett. And it's, it's a little long. I feel like this opening segment with just Ben could have been shortened a little bit, but otherwise it is nothing but absolute pure joy and goofiness and silliness. Um, Taylor Trench kind of looks like a 70s mime clown. Like he, he honestly looks like he came straight from a community theater production of Godspell and he was playing Jesus. Um, it's just so goofy. It's so funny. And I don't want to spoil the ending of it, but it's a, a little sentimental thing at the end of it to mark the passing of the torch officially uh, from Ben to both Noah and Taylor. Um, 
absolutely goofy. If you haven't seen it, which I'd be shocked if anybody listening hasn't seen this already, definitely watch this first thing right after you listen to this podcast, and it'll definitely put a smile on your face to head into your Tuesday. Excellent kickoff. So why don't you get us out of here? All right. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter at Matt and subscribe to Sound Like a Pop on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Matt's letting me take the ship over tomorrow, so come on back Mm -hmm. and listen to me there. And uh, Matt will be back on on Thursday, the Wednesday show. Matt does the Thursday show, and then both of us will be back on Friday. We'll talk to you then. Bring back that love and peace.